Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza, and for today, sustainability um, is in focus in this uh, particular discussion. Uh, going to be chatting around um, carbon emissions, going to be talking about how to reduce carbon emissions, uh, but more specifically, how um, one company um, has uh, decided to come up with a model uh, that turns, you know, some of, uh, you know, these carbon reductions into a currency. I hope I'm understanding that correctly. Um, uh, we're going to be talking uh, we're going to be talking to the team um, around that, and uh, Paul is going to be giving us, uh, you know, some some proper insight into what it is uh, that uh, they are doing, and uh, to also give us some insight into the state of sustainability and why uh, they've decided to go about things um, in the way that they are, um, in the way that uh, in the way that they have. So to give us uh, a little bit of insight, we are joined by Paul. Paul, is it pronounced uh, Rowett or Rowett? It's pronounced Rowett. Rowett. So we're joined by Paul Rowett, uh, and he's uh, joining us. Uh, he's joining us from uh, from Toko, and we're going to be having a great discussion um, around that. Paul, greetings to you today. Hi, Madura. Thanks very much for having me. Now, for I, I guess we we've uh, we've already thrown around a lot of a lot of words, a lot of terms, a lot of jargon. We've thrown around the words carbon emission, currency. Um, uh, we've and I think somewhere in there we're also going to have to throw in the word blockchain um, and carbon credit and the like. Um, but you know, for the uninitiated, Toko. You know, uh, whatever elevator pitch, I'm sure you've 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 said this many times before. Uh, but for you know the elevator pitch around Toko, what is it? Uh, what is it about? And um, you know, because we are a business platform, how do you guys make money? Hmm. Wow, there's a lot in that. Uh, there's a lot in the first question that you were. Um, I think if we could if we could start with a um, just an exploration of the context around the. Um, around Toko and uh, and the origin, um, which is very clearly in this case um, in trying to propose a solution to climate change that puts the power uh, to make a significant change in every single person's hand, uh, hands around the globe. Um, that was the problem statement that we, um, as a group of entrepreneurs, um, kind of we, we we designed in our minds. We said if the Climate change is a huge problem, and it's going to affect every single one of us, no matter where we live. Um, and how do we position a solution that we can all um, have control over? Because when the, the topic of climate change comes up, um, you'll notice a lot of people feel very emotional about it. They feel overwhelmed. They feel frustrated. Some people feel angry. Some people feel ambivalent. They, you know, they, they don't care. They maybe don't believe that climate change is, is happening. Um, and, and these emotions, you know, I, I think come from a place of um, a feeling of helplessness. You know, it, whatever I do to make a change, is that going to affect things on a global scale? Um, and there's feelings of 
potentially being insignificant, feeling insignificant, that your, your actions won't actually count towards anything. Um, and I think a, a lot of our listeners probably are, are sitting there feeling like that. Um, I don't know how, how, what are your emotions around climate change, Madhuva? Ah, uh, well, you are lucky that uh, you're talking to someone who has been studying uh, sustainability for a number of years now. Uh, I always yeah. tell the story about uh, the fact that I went to Rhodes Business School. And um, at the time that I went a couple of years ago, because um, the motto for Rhodes University as a whole is, uh, is uh, where leaders learn. Uh, but for Rhodes Business yeah. School, uh, the motto is uh, leadership for sustainability. And uh, we mm -hmm. had sustainability baked into um, our, entire, uh, our entire curriculum when we were doing masters at the time. Um, so we completely understood, um, you know, people, planet, profit. And uh, I remember at the time, uh, a lot of us, uh, we, were, we were quite new to the field, but it was interesting to see how sustainability seeps into uh, so many facets of doing business and how if you're able to find a win-win type of situation, um, you know, when it comes to these issues, uh, then, you know, it, it bodes well. And especially um, specifically when it comes to the issue of climate change, I think all one has to do is to look at uh, changing weather patterns around the world to at least know mm. and see that, uh, you know, something is happening. You know, the scientists are still learning. There's a lot that we don't know about what's going on. But, um, you know, average temperatures are um, are higher. The science does prove all that. So from that point of view, I am I'm there with you. Mm. I think if you um, that's really, I think it's really important to know your background. The, 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 the key phrase there was, was people, planet, profit. Um, and I think... Uh, another origin of this idea was um, was trying to solve the problem of how we enable environmental wealth. How do we enable um, more value, more economic value being placed on our planet? Um, how do we, you know, we, we throw around the phrase, how do we make money grow on trees? Because then you would imagine that people wouldn't cut them down so quickly. Uh, the, the natural world and uh, kind of in, the environment is often seen as, as an inhibitor to economic growth. It is, it is cleared to build a farm or a housing estate or a factory or something that is more economically viable. Um, and I think for that reason, um, it's difficult to see the world changing unless an existential change happens or unless an evolution happens. Because I think that Humans are, well, humans, especially in, you know, in modern times, prioritize profit over planet. And what we are trying to do at TOCO is to give people a different perspective on how they think about economic growth and wealth creation. And I can, you know, if you're comfortable, I can go into a, a, an explanation of what that what that statement is, because it's quite a broad statement. Um, you know, it, it, I'm sure everybody agrees it would be wonderful if money did grow on trees and <laughs> you know, we'd have huge forests and <laughs> people would be very happy. Um, so, so with, with, with that thought in mind, um, 
I'll maybe just talk about how we uh, set about designing a system uh, where we could potentially enable that to happen. Are you comfortable that I, that I go into a little bit more technical detail? No, no, no. Certainly we do need to get into it. But I think before we get into uh, what you call this, before we get into that technical detail, I think the piece that is still maybe missing is just a simple 30 seconds uh, where someone can say, okay, fine, TOCO is turning um, people's efforts to reduce carbon into um, into tokens that can be bought and sold. That's how I that's how I've uh, quickly summarized it in my head from the research that I've done. But maybe there's uh, what you call this. There's there's a fuller, quick explanation that you can give uh, before we can, before we dive into the technical bits. That's 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 great. Um, I think you summed it up very nicely. Uh, we <laughs> normally say, Toka is. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to join our marketing department, we can make a We normally describe it as money, as tons of carbon stored on a digital uh, wallet on your phone. Um, so it's the it's money. We use it as money. You can buy coffee and lunch and get your hair cut and take your clothes to the laundromat. You can use it as a means of exchange. You can use it as a unit of account or as a store of value. So all, those are the three services that money provides us. Um, and TOCO is the same. Um, it stands for Ton of Carbon Offset, T-O-C-O. Um, O-C-O is also the molecular makeup of carbon dioxide. One carbon and two oxygen molecules, ah. um, and ton, and ton being the the, the metric measure of um, of CO two as we as we talk about it. You know, tons of CO two emitted, tons of CO two in the atmosphere. Um, although a ton is a very difficult thing for a human brain to imagine, how much is a ton of a gas they can't see or smell? Um, you know, it's, it's it's quite a challenging concept. Uh, but we chose we chose the T um, as the kind of the, the, the currency glyph um, because we position the currency closer to fiat currency, you know, normal money, uh, money that people use on a day-to-day basis. Um, and if you look at fiat currency or government currencies, government issue currencies, um, they often um, are about measurement, pounds, sterling, um, dollar is based on, the, I think it's an old Germanic word, saddle, which is roughly similar to a pound. Um, Libra is the same. So the, um, the, the styling of TOCO is supposed to be ton of carbon offset um, or ton of carbon reduction um, in the same way that pound sterling, uh, the value is placed on the item or the asset that gives the currency its value, you know, ton of silver. Um, or a pound of silver, and in this case, a ton of carbon offset. And carbon offset, or carbon reduction, is the is the value, is the is the thing, the asset that gives the currency its value. So that's how we got to the name. Toco. Okay. Um, now, now, Paul, with everything that you guys uh, you guys are doing, uh, perhaps one of the we can break this down, you know, into what's going on out there because. The world of uh, carbon offsets itself. Before we even get into um, how you how you turn that into money, the world of carbon offsets itself. 
um, remains, you know, quite complex for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, right? This idea that uh, for 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 every step that you take to reduce um, your emissions as an organization, a company, a country, whatever it is, um, that you get certain credits, that there is a certain value that is attached, um, you know, to something like that. And the reason I will, I'm starting there is because all of that then links back to, um, let's say, Toko, the ability to 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 use um those uh, those actions of reducing carbon emissions um as a currency one of the big things is, and i'm speaking as an economist here one of the big things that uh, you know always bedevils um fiat currencies and we see the us dollar um you know currently struggling through these issues right now is the issue of perception at some point people sit there and they question why should we value this thing or what is giving this thing uh, the value that we are told that it is being given? So maybe you could give us uh, a little bit, um, you know, of insight for people that may not understand. First on the carbon, you know, carbon offset side and then, you know, how that how you guys are then linking that um, to to the TOCO, to the TOCO currency. Yeah, that's a great question. Um so the carbon offset side of things, um, there's a market that was created um, in the Kyoto Protocol, which is the first one of the first conferences of the parties um, 26 or 27 years ago, um, that uh, created something called the voluntary carbon market. We created the carbon markets, both markets, there's a compliance market and there's a voluntary carbon market where companies and individuals can purchase carbon reductions, certified carbon reductions, and th those are called carbon credits. Um, and then offset, which is another new word for some listeners. Um, so if I emit 100 tons, I can go and buy 100 tons, retire those assets, which essentially means tear up the certificates so that nobody else can use them again. And that would make me, for that year, offset. So I am... I am reducing at the same rate as I am producing emissions. Um, and that was the kind of the theories around the voluntary carbon market. Now, that market has matured a lot. It's gone through some, some challenges. I think those have been pretty well documented. Um, and the challenges often center around credibility of carbon actually being reduced. So if I am a project developer and I decide to grow a forest, um, the forest grows, it reduces carbon as a result of the, the vegetation growth, storing carbon in the soil, storing carbon in the trees. Um, that is then registered by a third party. Um, in this case, I'll use an example of Vera because they're the biggest uh, verification agency. They, they act like an auditor um, in kind of the business world. Um, they then allow the project developer to list X amount of tons of carbon on the voluntary carbon market. Um, and then you know, people buy, companies buy uh, voluntarily. Um, and the, the word voluntary is very important in this, and, I, and I'll, I'll just come back to that. Um, so the voluntary carbon market has been, yeah, it's been around for over 27 years, um, and it trades about 700 million tons 
of carbon, carbon reduction, carbon credits, every single year. In fact, Vera has uh, recently just produced their one billionth credit, um, and that's and that's a it's an incredible achievement. Um, and to create and that's it's, it's it's a global entity. So if we are producing you know, projects like that that decarbonize or remove carbon, um, you know that's in South Africa we can list up uh, with Vera um, and list on their registry. Um, now there are 170 different types of carbon credits, and when you're talking about your, your points on complexity, um, it's very it's easy to think about the types of carbon credits like like bottles of wine. You can get a bottle of wine that is the same same size, 750 mils, and it can cost you 100 rand, and you can get that same bottle of wine that could cost 10,000, 100,000 rand in some cases. Um, and there is a market for all of those types of wine. Um, and it's a, it's a complex world. You often need somebody to advise you on which wine you should drink. Um, and in this case, um, in our case specifically, the carbon reserve um, performs that function. So the carbon reserve um, has you know, a, a panel of very skilled experts who select which carbon credits to purchase based on quality, permanence, um, and the risk of that mitigation, the carbon reduction, not actually being equivalent to one ton. Um, and they, they essentially democratize or uh, simplify the carbon markets for, for you know, the average person on the street who wouldn't necessarily take the time and effort to understand wine and also to understand the world of carbon credits. Um, so the, essentially what the carbon reserve is trying to do is trying to make it simple and easy um, to understand what a ton of carbon is um, and, to, and, and to utilize that. So um, you spoke about value um, and you spoke about the element of trust when it comes to currency. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that, that's, the, that's the real crux, you know. If two if two humans can agree that a cowrie shell is a is a you know, is a sign of value, and then they could agree that salt was you know, a means of exchange and leather and tobacco and all the things that have been used as money um, in human history, um, you know then then we agreed that silver and gold um, was the, the means of exchange, and then and then we agreed that you could exchange notes. Um, and then those notes, the origin of those notes were important. And that's kind of how we build up to fiat currency. But there's always this level of agreement. Um, you know, back in you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, it was that level of agreement was about utility. You know, do I need salt? Yes. Do you need salt? Yes. It's valuable, therefore. Um, so when it came to, when it came to gold, um, a commodity-based currency, there's a, there was a lot of trust in currencies because of the gold that was used as the asset to um, create the money supply. When we went on to fiat currency in 1971, uh, government-backed currency, which was essentially backed by government debt, um, the element of trust became that much more important. And now we were placing value on governments and the way that those governments are run um, to determine what 
value felt felt good. And obviously now I'm I'm massively oversimplifying. Um, but you know, analysts to look at all the data that's available um, on a daily basis and and predict where that value exchange, the exchange rate, where that's going to go, um, is based off data derived from how, um, what's happening in the country, what's happening politically, socio-politically, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Whereas back in a commodity-based currency, um, and and that's essentially what, the reason why I go back to the gold standard is because we liken, uh, we, we compare Tokyo more like the gold standard. Um, because it is a commodity-backed currency, it's it's, represent, its value is represented by the commodity that the carbon reserve holds, and that has a price and can be traded on the open market. Um, the exchange rate is an, the open voluntary carbon market. The exchange rate is determined by the by the cost of the underlying asset, um, and then there is a there is a demand buffer. So. Um, if there's huge demand for the currency and the use of the currency, then obviously the the um, the, price, the exchange rate will increase. The price will increase. Um, but uh, uh, the biggest indicator of the exchange rate of Tokyo to rand or Tokyo to any other currency is the cost of the underlying asset. Um, would you like to give me Would you like me to give an example? Uh, before that, am I understanding correctly? Um, because You've taken us through a, a nice, uh, what you call this, history of um, how um, you know currencies have uh, evolved and developed over time. And especially in the current paradigm that we are in, where the blockchain has become a big piece, um, or at least is trying to become a big piece of the financial system. Would you, is it too much, would that be going too far to describe uh, TOCO as being a stable coin? Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on the definition and it depends on the jurisdiction. Um, certainly in in some areas, um, I think I think Europe is coming out with some new legislation uh, called MICA um, that will probably define TOCO as a, as a stable coin. Um, in Switzerland, we defined as a as a digital payment token, um, and and that is mimicked in in South Africa. Although South Africa's legislation is still um, kind of developing, um, so so yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of semantic sometimes, but again, it depends on the regional regional definition there. Um, but we yeah. Bring up the term. You bring up blockchain, uh, and if you'd like me to kind of explore that thought for a little bit, I, I, I certainly can. Yes, please. Yeah. So the reason why we selected blockchain as the underlying technology um, that facilitates the transactional network or the, the payment network is a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, it's it's incredibly secure. Um, it is incredibly fast, um, and you can enable it um, to transact at a at a level and at a rate that is seldom seen for the for the costs for the input costs. Um, and the the drawbacks, though, um, is the application of blockchain for the use of cryptocurrency. We disagreed with. 
Um, and, and why did we disagree with that? Simply put, we don't believe that an anonymous network, anonymous decentralized network, um, will be able to facilitate the purpose of, um, of creating systemic change to the climate in the given time frame that we need to deal with it. So traditional finance is still, you know, if, if you look at the whole cryptocurrency market, um, and that and that varies in terms of its total market cap. Um, but it's, you know, there, there were some estimations that it it didn't even match up kind of to a percent. I think it was half a percent of the total um, the total transactional economy around the world. Um, so although we talk about it a lot, it's actually it's actually a really small part of the global economy. And and we don't believe that cryptocurrency will make its way in its current shape and form will make its way into the traditional financial world very quickly simply put so but we really appreciated the benefits of using a blockchain so what we did is, is we built our own specific uh, blockchain uh, purpose-built and we included um, KYC so, so identification and um, so we know who the business is that is transacting, and we know who the person is that's transacting. So there can be no malicious attempts. Uh, we work with the, the traditional financial world. So our bank is Standard Bank. Uh, we have a merchant account with Standard Bank. When you, when you trade currency, um, it's going bank to bank transactions if it's a buy or sell, um, which is important. Um, and it's centralized. The carbon reserve um, sets the sets the exchange rate, sets the price for the currency in circulation. Um, which if you talk to people in the crypto world, you know, that they they adverse to, to those two things, to being a known network um, and to be uh, centralized. But we we believe um, that things like money laundering and tax evasion and criminal networks um, sometimes make uh, exploit the the fact that crypto is so anonymous um, and difficult to difficult to track and trace, um, and we don't agree with that. Uh, we want to make sure that Tokyo is a very safe currency, um, and the purpose is continuously aligned with our implementation. You know, we, we we're doing this for a very specific, very powerful purpose, um, and that is to make a systemic change to. And the way we view carbon reductions, um, and yeah, getting involved in a in a cryptocurrency, or it, it, in our view, was not the right solution to that. Um, the, the other, the last point I'll say on this is, currencies that can be used as a means of exchange on a day to day basis have utility. They have a use case. Um, you know, you can go and buy coffee. You can go and buy your lunch. You can you can walk into a bootleggers and and you know buy your copies with it. Um, and that, we believe, will have demand. It's, it's certainly a harder problem to solve um, because there's a ton of regulation, a ton of governance, a ton of compliance that you need to do. And the onboarding is harder you know, from both sides, business and consumer. But if you can get that right, if you can get people to spend carbon reductions in exchange for coffee and lunch, um, then you can give carbon reduction utility. It has a use. And um, in the same way that, that gold had a 
had a use and it was the backing of a currency. And then, you know, you see what happened to the gold price. And if we can create forests that people view as gold mines, yeah. that would be a good thing, right? Most well, certainly. Uh, now, with everything that you've just said, Paul, I'm very keen to understand uh, because at least I, I like the fact that uh, we now at least understand um, how you guys are thinking around uh, a value and um, how all of that is underpinned by um, you know some of the global markets uh, and the like, and also Standard Bank, you know, being a partner when it comes to. Um, you know, the actual settling of trades and all of that. A couple of things spring to mind, though, is firstly, because we are a business platform, um, it's to understand how it is that, uh, what you call this, for you guys as Togo, what's the business model? How do you guys uh, specifically um, create a business model for yourselves that is sustainable? So very simply put, it's, there's a 1% transaction fee, um, and that is levied on the sender. The, so if I'm a consumer and I'm buying a coffee, I will pay 1% to the merchant. So for the merchant, if they, if they hold the, the currency in their wallet, um, they're paying zero transaction fee. When they decide to sell or send that currency or use the currency to pay their invoices, their suppliers, we will levy a 1% um, fee on, on, on them as the sender. So um, we try and keep it uh, very kind of democratic, 1% to, to everybody. Um, and we've, we've run a proof of concept in Stenabosch, um, and we, that was one of the things that we kind of questioned, you know, if we are transparent about our transaction fees, which a lot of the payment providers um, are not transparent. If we are transparent and we show users that they are paying 1% when they are requesting transactions, um, what will that do to usage? And we, we haven't had much pushback from, from that. So, so yeah, that, that is our business model of the, the 1%. Uh, transaction fee pays for the, um, pays, keeps the lights on, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> no, certainly at least we, we understand how you guys are um, keeping the lights on. And then the other curiosity also tends to be, um, you know, when it comes to backing or how you guys have been able to fund yourselves because I can imagine that an operation like yours because of uh, all the trading that is the, that is happening, uh, that uh, there would need to be a fair, fair bit of liquidity uh, that you guys would need to have on hand. Yeah, so the... The founders have um, put in personal capital to to get Toko to where it is now. Um, we also had uh, Michael Yordan join us as an early investor, and we've we've got Toko to a point where uh, we funded the initial circulation of Tokos in the in the transactional environment in Stellenbosch. Um, the those tokens are now all in circulation, um, and that kind of the speed at which that happened exceeded our expectations. And now we're doing the second round of purchase, which will be done by um, with with the funds that have been that have been accumulated as a result of that. So the founders have to um, 
had to kind of lead with the saying we will make those tokens available. Um, and now we kind of hopefully we entering a cycle, the ecosystem, um, that the more demand creates, the more demand for carbon assets, we purchase those assets, we yeah, um, introduce them into the into the market, um, and 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 so it it will grow. Now there will be times when demand will exceed supply, um, and we may have to go and um, extend liquidity reserves, um, and and you know we, we will deal with that as and when. Um, but the the broader goal is to prove the concept in Stellenbosch, um, potentially launch to South Africa. Um, and then launch, and then go and raise capital, um, and um, and expand globally. Once we've kind of once we've worked out the challenges that we uh, will face on the ground in a in a market where we can test, test and learn. Um, you know, this one of the most fascinating things about going through this discussion is uh, is the fact that there's a lot of thought and care that appears to have been taken around um, creating a platform that uh, at least tries to incentivize um, organizations or people um, to take um, carbon emissions a little bit more seriously. And I think that's one of the one of the places where we can end off um, you know today's discussion, Paul, is to maybe get a sense because, um, we spent a, quite a bit of today's discussion getting into some of the technical bits and the like, but um, the attitude of a lot of corporates is usually, what is it, what is it about, do I need to pay anything, and what's the quickest way for me to achieve um, one of these, um, you know, to, to achieve uh, what we need to do, okay? They're saying that as an organization, we need to be carbon neutral. What does that mean? Can we buy some carbon credits? All right, okay, great. Um, and then, you know, you do it and sometimes it seeps in that attitude of, uh, you know, tick box exercises and the like. So from your view, uh, maybe some insight into reception of Toko and a couple of things there. Firstly, um, how long have you, has Toko been out in the wild? And then secondly, um, what's been the reception like? Do you feel like um, it's moving the needle in actually getting people to to really care, um, you know, when it comes to uh, the issue of climate change. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we've been out in the wilderness, so to speak, for two months in Stellenbosch. Um, we have, we're approaching 2,000 users, 2,000 wallets, um, and, and 100 merchants accepting Tokyo. Um, the, the, the key learning that we've taken out of this is that at some point the network effect will, will take place and one, uh, consumer growth will enable more merchants and merchant growth will enable more consumers. Um, our early adopters have been people who care about the climate and you know, are frustrated and annoyed with what's going on in the, in the media um, and you know, politicians and companies maybe aren't finding the solutions that these people believe. And by spending in the currency, they are actively offsetting their carbon footprint. Um, and we've seen a lot of, a, a lot of kind of purpose decisions uh, being made, especially from the younger generation. This is something that is extremely important to, to the younger generation, and hence why we decided to launch in Um The surprising uh, development, I guess, was 
how quickly uh, merchants adopted uh, Toka. And we've had we've had very little challenges in terms of growing to 100 merchants. Um, and we've just focused on two key areas within Stellenbosch. Um, and we'll expand that um, you know, in the next in the next quarter to to 300 merchants, I would imagine. And now we're going to focus on on bigger retailers and and kind of a broader base. Now that we've seen that the first test has has come back very successful. Um, in terms of value proposition for companies, so for the individual, the value proposition is it's not going to cost me any more. I can do what I do on a daily basis. I just need to spend in a different currency and I could offset my entire year's carbon emissions with one purchase. You know, if, and, and maybe maybe it's a set of small purchases, but essentially with Toka, you've got to spend about 1,800 rand to offset a ton, sorry, 10 tons of, of carbon emissions. So average human in South Africa emits about between seven and ten tons, and um, and just by spending the equivalent of a thousand eight hundred rand, you're creating that huge change. You're enabling huge change. So the power is back in your hands. You have the choice. You have the the power to make that change. Um, for corporates, the voluntary carbon market, coming back to what I was saying earlier, is a challenging place. A eh? Um, so we need to demystify that, and that's that's one of the one of the services that the carbon is um, uh, produces is essentially allowing corporates to trust that if they buy one toco, then one ton has been removed. If they retire that toco, then we will send them a certificate. A carbon reserve will send them a certificate proving that that ton has been retired. Now, corporates in the voluntary carbon market. Uh, need to buy carbon credits and retire them. That's like buying wine and pouring the wine down the drain and saying that the value is in the bottle, is in the wrapper. And what we are saying is there could be another way where corporates could buy tokos, put it on their balance sheet, not destroy the value in, in, those, in, in what they've purchased. Keep the value. Um, allocate some of your retained income into tokos, stored on your balance sheet, and in so doing, you are actively removing carbon from the atmosphere. And it's not a voluntary cost as the buy-to-retire um, proposition currently is, uh, because it's, it's like accepting a voluntary tax, which we hope that all companies would do, but it's, it's hard, specifically in times of downturn. We have shareholders asking you, for profitability, and you have shareholders asking you for sustainability goals. And what we are trying to do is say you can you can have both. You can you can be profitable, and you can still be sustainable by storing tons of carbon on your balance sheet. Now, if you want to if a corporate wants to retire, they would then request that a certain amount would be retired, um, and then we would send them a certificate saying that um, that those um, allocated um, carbon credits have been retired. So that's been it. It's been a very fascinating discussion. Uh, we were talking to uh, the team over at Toko, just getting some insight um, into the world, um, uh, into the world of uh, carbon emissions, carbon credits, 
um, and how uh, they've, uh, they're turning all of that um, into a currency that people can use um, you know, to go about uh, you know the normal the normal business of life. Uh, they have a number of merchants. I think uh, I heard the number hundred now earlier on, which uh, with plans to push that to over three hundred um, uh, in the near term. Um, and uh, you know, the whole idea just being around uh, the fact that um, uh, as an organization, as a country, as a person, you can reduce your carbon emissions. Um, and uh, you can turn, um, you know, you can turn that into a currency and uh, money that you can actually use to trade uh, on a day-to-day basis. One of the key things uh, that uh, will be, you know, I guess, looking to watch um, as uh, the Toco, uh, the Toco platform expands, is uh, whether or not uh, the idea that Paul has just outlined about um, having companies actually turning uh, some of these assets into things that they can put onto their balance sheet is something that's going to take hold or where the prevailing attitudes, um, you know, will continue to prevail um, the way that they are. And then uh, also, you know, getting a lot of insight into uh, the carbon, the carbon market, carbon credits, how um, the value, you know, on that end um, is determined the fact that uh, this has been a market that has been in place uh, for at least two decades now. And over time, it's become quite mature. Uh, but, you know, innovation coming through, um, you know, some of this innovation coming through in terms of uh, how do you actually make it more accessible to people and how do you make it uh, and how do you structure it in such a way uh, that people feel, you know, a little bit more compelled to actually uh, care about the environment and climate change and how you actually incentivize people uh, to, 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 to reduce some of those emissions, but it turns into something that actually uh, benefits them in one way or another. So that's been it. It has been a really, um, you know, fascinating discussion. As I said, uh, we were talking uh, we were talking to Paul, uh, to Paul Rowett, uh, who is over from Togo. Paul, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for being Appreciate the time. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.